Welcome to Tell Me Where to Go, the Super 7 series of interviews with prominent figures who are involved in travel around the world. Sit back and listen as we take you travelling again. Welcome to the Super 7 series of interviews here on tellmewheretogo.com. And look, I've got two guests with me today. I've got Simone Pregelio. Hello, Simone. How are you? Very well, thank you. And Margot Anderson. Hi, Margot. How are you today? Yeah, well, thanks, Steve. I'm speaking to you because you run the Boomeranging podcast, which is a fascinating podcast. And what you do is you speak to Australian expats or expats that have been overseas for a while and have come back to Australia. In the stories that they have is absolutely fascinating. Here I have to put my hand up and say that I too have been an expat. I've lived in New Zealand and Papua New Guinea, but that was a long time ago. Your stories, because I'm assuming that you are both expats as well, is that true? That's correct. This is Margot. So I had seven years in London and had a wonderful time and then returned approximately 14 years ago. So it does seem like some time ago now. The podcast is very intrinsically linked to, I guess, that journey coming home. So Yeah. yeah. And Simone, were you an expat as well? Yes, I've boomeranged twice. So in my 20s, I went and did the London Rite of Passage. And then I had another go 10 years later when I went to Singapore. I transferred up with my job, which was with Jetstar. I was based out of Singapore for nearly three years. So I've technically boomeranged twice. Well, I suppose so have I. Mind you, I lived in Mount Hague, right in the centre of Papua New Guinea. There were no boomerangs up there, but I did have spears thrown at me once. So, <laughs> <laughs> so being an expat can be somewhat exciting as well. You have to adapt to different cultures, don't you, when you move overseas? Absolutely. I think sometimes that's the joy of being an expat is being exposed to all the richness and diversity of different cultures and, you know, all the highs and the lows and the challenges and the, all the laughter that comes from that. Yeah, it's a bit addictive, really. It's a bit like travel, really. It's, you know, that lifestyle of being an expat is it can be quite addictive as well. So, Well, it depends the reason for being an expat and what your job is and that, I guess, as well. How did you two meet? Because one of you was in Singapore and one of you was in London. I can fill in that part of the story. You're right. I was living in Singapore and I moved back to Melbourne, I think in 2012. And I did not know Margot before that time, but Margot was connected to a group of friends of mine that I had. And I know... When I came back, there was obviously that period of adjustment, which is the hot topic that we talk about um, on the actual <laughs> yeah. And so I was trying to reestablish myself and through that I met Margot and obviously found a kindred spirit of somebody who had transitioned from living overseas to life back home. Yeah. You know, somebody who could sort of, I guess, relate to, I guess, the stories and the feelings that I was having adjusting to yeah. being back So that's actually how we became friends. And obviously, the podcast has come many years later. But in some respects, the themes and the conversations that Margot and I had many years ago are the same conversations a lot of expats have, you know, when they return home to Australia today. When both of you first went to your various destinations, London and Singapore, was there apprehension or excitement about the journey you were going to make and the life that you might have? Absolutely. I think for me, I was one of those people who went for what I thought initially would be nine to 10 months. But my, I guess, motivation and reason for staying really changed 
changed when I decided to stay on a second year and it became very career centered and I had a new opportunity that came up. I mean, initially it was very much to have the, the career break, I think. I meant to go and do quite a bit of travel and do a spot of work along the way because I could in London. But yeah, after that, it became much more career focused and I stayed for those reasons. But, you know, one of the big attractive pieces about staying and I guess the lifestyle buzzes, if you like, was the opportunity to travel so much. And yeah. being in London, I mean, I had Europe on my doorstep. So, yeah, just um, to, to get on Eurostar and go to, to Paris for lunch sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All those good old EasyJet, you know, flights, you know, £9.99 taxes. But, you know, it was yeah. crazy what we could do. But, yeah, I mean, I guess, as I said, it really morphed over time as, yeah. to, as to how and why I stayed. But excitement always remained a part of it, yeah. And, and why did you decide to come back? Well, that's always the million-dollar question, isn't it? Well, I'm glad I've asked it then. <laughs> <laughs> I came back for lifestyle reasons. Yep. Um, so after seven years, I think I was probably craving the open spaces and the lifestyle of Australia. And for many people, when I actually do talk to them, it is lifestyle, yep. but it is also family reasons or, you know, aging yeah. parents yeah. or kids at a certain age of school etc. So yep. there are multiple reasons, but for me, it was very lifestyle driven. And Simone, what about you? When you first got the job in Singapore, Singapore is not a bad place to be based, really, particularly if you like travel, is it? Absolutely. But my story is a little different. I remember crying on the way to the airport in Melbourne. <laughs> so I think, yes, anticipating and being excited about living in a new country, but also that feeling of what have I done? And so I actually found the first couple of months moving to Singapore quite difficult. I didn't know anyone socially. I knew the people I worked with, but I didn't have any established social network. So I had to start all of that from scratch. And that's quite daunting at the time. I mean, something right now that I really value and I would have had it no other way because I've made friends for life. It was quite challenging, particularly in the beginning. And, you know, you're chasing a great job opportunity, but it also means moving your life and your comfort zone and starting again from scratch. So it's not without a lot of hard work that goes into that. And also Singapore has really nothing much in common with Melbourne, has it? I should imagine when you got to Singapore, you were probably living in a huge apartment building. Did you find that transition a bit difficult or was it reasonably easy? I think I found the work transition worked well for me because I'd met a lot of my Singaporean colleagues before. So they were familiar and it was a job that I was really excited about and I knew airlines. So that was quite comforting to have that in common. And you're right, it's the rest of the life that then you had to adapt to. You know, I was living in an apartment, which was fine, but, you know, finding your local groceries, opening up a bank account, wrestling with the real estate agents and how real estate agents work up there is very different. Cutthroat, I understand. (laughs) Very cutthroat. And so these little things that you can't can't read in a book necessarily to prepare yourself, you just have to deal with it as you go. And you're dealing with it at a time where everything is different and everything is new and you don't have your support systems around you. So that was Mm. character building. And again, I don't want to cast a gloomy picture on it, but it was challenging. I think the risk reward is definitely tipped to the reward side over a couple of years. Yeah, it's pretty challenging the first couple of months. I should imagine the work culture in London would be vastly different from the work culture in Singapore, only because of perhaps cultural reasons or whatever. The Brits tend to be a little bit more relaxed. Well, I mean, they're a bit stuffy as well at times, I guess. Australians tend to have a little bit more in common with Brits than we do with Singaporeans. I know from my 
experience working with my colleagues, I was in the minority. So I had to get used to a different mm. work culture and adapt to that. For example, you never stand in between a Singaporean and lunch. <laughs> Absolutely not. You cannot organize a meeting around lunchtime. There will be nobody on the floor at lunchtime. Lunchtime is a very serious occasion. Yes. So I'm a food lover, so I could get right behind that one. But, you know, little nuanced details like that to fit into a new culture, you have to adapt your way to the ways of the local environment. That's also quite fun and rewarding as well once you get your head around it. And Margot, what about you, some of all those poms? Yeah, it's interesting. I think there is an assumption that they are originally the mother country, everything's a little bit the same. That's their assumption. It's not necessarily ours, though, is it? (laughs) No, and it's really quite interesting because it is quite different. You know, the leadership Mm. and the management styles are very different, the ways of doing business. And I think I really noticed that upon my return, seeing, you know, how different it was. And it, it was quite a contrast in coming back and something that I had to really go, oh gosh, I really need to think about this becoming the Australian way again. And I, I think, you know, it was it, it's something that we underestimate, I think, because the language is the same. We drive on the same side of the road. We do, you know, a number of things yeah. in a similar way, but it can really trip you up if you're not careful. I mean, I guess it's the market is so big up there. Yes. So I think returning to Australia is really tricky because I think we underestimate the implications of it being a much smaller market, yeah. especially when it comes to our careers, etc. So I think Simone mentioned, you know, crying on the way up. Yeah. I think I cried on the way back. And I certainly asked myself, oh my gosh, what have I done in terms of coming back? <laughs> back yeah. So, you know, I think that's probably goes back to the heart of the podcast is that it's those sorts of things that catch us by surprise because yeah. we think, oh, it's, it'll be all right. I think, you know, the Australian psyche kicks in a little bit of like, yeah. she'll be right, mate. And we get back and we think, oh my gosh, okay, <laughs> maybe it won't be quite right or maybe it is really different. <laughs> maybe. So, yeah. Now, while I've got you, Margot, what was your favourite thing about living in London? Oh, gosh. Well, look, I definitely think the access to travel was Mm. definitely a big part of the lure and being able to just jump on the plane or the Eurostar or something on a Friday afternoon and evening and by... 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock that night, I could be sitting in a square somewhere in, you know, Rome or wherever. But in terms of life in London, I mean, I think that I just fell in love with the arts and the world of design up there. So just adored some of the galleries and I think just that popping out to that and come all through all weather. I mean, I'm originally a Queensland girl, so whilst I'm in Melbourne now, I think when I first arrived in London and like the weather was a long way from Queensland weather, it was that... (laughs) Just get out there despite the weather and make the most of it, and and we certainly did that. That was probably the first time in your life you owned an overcoat, I guess, was it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. But the world of music and the world of art, like I just loved it. And the diversity of the orbit was just mind-blowing. So, yeah, it was great. Mm. Simone, Singapore, what was your favourite thing about Singapore? It was meeting the diversity of people that through that experience and it was a combination of one being in Singapore and two not knowing anyone and having to start Mm. again from scratch how often do you get to go to a place and have to build up your networks and your friends again from scratch which means you've got friends and connections from across the board not just people you knew from school the neighborhood family connections completely from all walks of life from different countries and then obviously working with great local Singaporean colleagues as well so for me it was the opportunity to meet so many different people from so many different cultures and 
to live like that for a while. After living overseas for you know, significant times, has your opinions or, or thoughts or feelings about Australia changed since you've returned? I think mine has. I often say that when I lived in Singapore, I really felt as an Australian very connected to the region because mm. that's how mm. the media and Singaporeans yep. would talk about Australia and New Zealand. And I really felt part of a region as an Australian living up there. And so when I've come back to Australia, I actually feel more Australia is talking more about Australia, that connectivity to the Asia Pacific region or the feeling of feeling part of a region. I feel, I guess, the stories and the narrative that we hear here is very much focused on Australia, whereas we were focused more on a region when I was an Australian living in Africa. what about you since returning from London? I think definitely. I think uh, we didn't really hear a lot about Australia, actually, when <laughs> I was in London. Especially um, not when the cricket I, was on. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, actually, it was funny because I arrived in 1999 and that was the year of the World Cups, you yeah. know, that were being played in London. So it was the Rugby World Cup and the Cricket World Cup yeah. and we won both of them. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a fantastic time to be <laughs> Australian in London, but I guess over the seven years, I mean, there wasn't a lot of things that made news up there about Australia. And then conversely, coming back here, I think it's an appreciation of where and how we can play on the world yeah. stage, you know. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot to play for, but we've really got to look at how we channel our voice overseas and shape the narrative overseas. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's a very interesting time at the moment that we find ourselves in like it, like everywhere where we can't travel there are a lot of Australians that have come home um, so they're not represented overseas or as many are overseas yeah. at the moment which I think is potentially a real concern. Last question for you both because we're sitting here with COVID and at the present time just about every state and territory in Australia yeah. is locked <laughs> down. If you could be anywhere, anywhere in the world right now or even outside of the world if you wanted, where do you think you would rather be? I'm open to what Alps, but either the Swiss or the French Alps <laughs> right now. And the reason for yeah. that is that I had a great holiday in Argentina near Chamonix a couple of years ago yeah. in summer and I love hiking. So hiking in the mountains in summer in Europe without a lockdown would be lovely. Yeah, it's a little bit inspired by the Tour de France that has just started. That's oh, what I would want to be yeah. right now. If you were there, you wouldn't be standing in front of them with a sign, would you, so you could wipe everybody <laughs> out? <laughs> no. At least three people back with a very large baguette and a piece of cheese. I think that's as um, as <laughs> lovely. And Margot, what about you? Well, I would probably head for the water, mm. but also be Europe based. Um, and I think my ideal holiday would be to return to Sardinia or Croatia, and be yeah enjoying a cocktail or two on the waterfront to sundowner. I would suggest. So, hmm. well, that's great. Well, I've been speaking to Simone Pregelio and Margot Anderson, who run the excellent podcast called Boomeranging and you can listen to Boomeranging on oh, quite a number of different podcast platforms can't you? You can, I think we're on all the major ones actually so Yeah Apple you are, I've checked and, um, Spotify, yeah. Apple etc etc Yes you are. So we should be easy to find you Should be easy to find. Now Margot you are the presenter and Simone you are the producer, is that correct? 
That's right. Well, as a producer, I know that you've got the very, very hardest job of all, Simone, so congratulations. (laughs) She does. She does. (laughs) You've got all the stress and the worry while the presenter just sits here and opens their mouth, really. That's the way it works. (laughs) It's It's been a delight talking to you. This is part of our Super 7 series where we talk to really interesting people that have been travelling. Simone Pregelio and Margot Anderson, thank you very much for joining us on TellMeWhereToGo.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Me Where To Go, the Super 7 series. We do hope that we've inspired you to go travelling again just as soon as you can. Mm-hmm.